Welcome to the Foreign Wife Happy Life Podcast, episode 21. Today's guest is Dr. Julia Mazaros. Dr. Julia has her PhD in Global Sociocultural Studies and Sociology, and she spent a great deal of time studying the international dating industry. She's observed and interviewed participants on multiple romance tours, as well as also working with a lot of the matchmaking agencies which we've featured on this podcast. In today's episode, we talk about a lot of the common stereotypes surrounding the international dating industry. That includes the stereotypes about men who are looking for international dating, as well as the women. Dr. Julia gives her perspective based on the men and women that she's met and based on her work as a sociologist. We also talk about the role of international dating within Western culture and society. And finally, as I do with all my guests, I asked Dr. Julia to share her advice or words of wisdom for any guys who are interested in looking abroad for a serious relationship. This was a really cool episode, and it's a little unique from the episodes we've done in the past. It's one of my favorite interviews that I've done, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, Dr. Julia. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our conversation. Uh, for listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work, could you briefly introduce yourself and your background? Sure. Um, I am Dr. Julia Mazaros. I am an assistant professor at Texas A&M University Commerce uh, here in Commerce, Texas, which is near Dallas area. I have been working on research regarding the international dating industry now since 2011, so about eight years. Um, I've been on numerous romance tours in different cultural locations, and I've also participated in dating conferences um, and uh, gone to various seminars for dating, so I've been kind of following the industry and talking about different aspects of the industry for about eight years now. Wow. And I'm curious, how did you first get interested in the international dating industry? I was actually taking a class um, in graduate school and I read an article about it and I thought it was really interesting and I thought most of the research out there about it kind of really focused on, you know, questions of whether the women are victims or whether the guys are abusive. And I was more interested in looking at kind of what drives people to look beyond their borders in the first place. I don't necessarily think that it's an outcome of power differentials. I think that obviously there is some part of the economic differentials in the countries that people are choosing to go to versus here or other parts of the West. Um, but I wanted to see kind of what opened people's minds to taking a global look at um, their search for a partner. And do you think you could share briefly about your doctoral research and what that involved? 
Sure. So I began my doctoral research um, actually following the company of Foreign Affair, um, which is one of the larger tour companies, right? And um, I went to, they had a seminar um, for guys who were interested. And at the time, I was a student in Miami at Florida International University. And they were having a seminar in Fort Lauderdale, which for those who don't know is right by Miami. And so I went up there and I met John Adams, who is the owner of A Foreign Affair. And I asked him, hey, you know, I'm interested in doing research on this topic. I really would like to follow some of your tours. Um, and he totally agreed. And he had no hesitation about allowing me into the, the world of um, A Foreign Affair. And so he was like, whenever you want to come, you're welcome. And so I decided to do a tour in each of the major regions that the company goes to. So a foreign affair does tours in eight, like Southeast Asia, Latin America, and Eastern Europe. And I think most tour companies are like that, right? I think Anastasia Date and Dream Connections also go to those similar locations, right? Yeah. Um, and. So I wanted to see kind of what kind of guys go to Asia, what kind of guys tend to go to Latin America, and what kind of guys go to Ukraine and why. Um, so I followed a, my first romance tour in Colombia and Medellin in 2011. And while I was there, I interviewed a bunch of the guys, a bunch of the translators and employees of the local office, and then a couple of the women. And then in 2012, I went on a romance tour in Ukraine with AFA, and I went from Kiev to Poltava to Sumy, and then back to Kiev with the guys. That was a longer multiple city tour. And then from there, I went to the Philippines to a tiny city called Davao, which is actually on the island of Mindanao, um, and is actually where the current president is from, um, Rodrigo Duterte, for those of you who follow Philippines politics. Um, he is from that island, and that island is um, more remote, I would say. So it's uh, less common to see tourists there, especially women tourists. They had not really seen many American women there. So I was kind of an oddity in the Philippines where I was. But needless to say, A Foreign Affair gave me access to all these um, wonderful tour locations. I spent um, about a month in each tour location kind of getting a feel for what does the agency look like in their day-to-day -day dealings with women, how do they recruit women, and then what do the tours kind of look like, what are the guys looking for. And then as time has gone on, that was my dissertation, and I, if people are interested, it is available online. Um, if you look me up um, and FIU, you can find my dissertation online. Um, but as I started thinking more about the industry in general, I was wondering kind of how does this industry work in terms of globalization, in terms of um, expanding um, international markets, things like that? And so I started attending iDate conferences where I started interviewing and talking to more than just a foreign affair. Um, I actually interviewed Mark Davis from Dream Connections and his wife, Anna. I you know, spoken with Svetlana from Diali. I've worked with Natalie from Marriage by Natalie. I've worked with Alex Pinto from For Him Dating. Um, so I've been trying to kind of see how matchmaking and tour companies are a little different and um, 
kind of what what is the engine that motivates people to look abroad? So that's kind of where my research is at at this moment. So today's episode, we're really <clears throat> focusing on, you know, the addressing the common stereotypes that not just men who date internationally, but international couples face, at least in the United States. And um, I know that you have talked about that before. I've seen a few of your videos and read some of your work online. Um, so I thought that we could just kind of go through some of the most common stereotypes that uh, people have. Uh, I, th I believe probably most people listening to this podcast are going to be familiar with them already. And, um, and then you can share, you know, what your experience has been with your research and um, how true or false in your opinion those stereotypes are. So, sure. Um, do you mm -hmm. want to talk first about the stereotypes about the men or the women? Uh, we'll start with the men. Okay. Uh, um, so I think one common stereotype about the men is that they're all losers or that they're abusive and that they're looking for someone to dominate. Um, so there's these two very different trajectories, I would say, about the assumptions about the men. One, that they're hyper-abusive and manipulative and going abroad because they're looking for a slave. Um, most guys are not um, hyper-abusive. Um, there are some cases of uh, bad marriages that do happen. And there's no denying that, but there are also cases of bad marriages that happen here in the U.S. domestic context, right? So, um, but they are not the majority. They're not anywhere near the majority of that. Most of the guys, I would say, in reality, are white, over 40, middle class, uh, typically college educated, conservative in their political values. They tend to be a little older. I was actually um, running some statistical data the other day on um, one agency's database of male profiles, and the average age is about 50 years old. So um, these tend to be more traditional guys, I think. And I think a lot of the guys aren't necessarily socially awkward or all of those things, but I think they just can't find what they're looking for in their domestic dating market. So a lot of the guys I spoke to were looking for someone with more traditional family values, for example, or someone who is significantly younger than themselves, right? And um, here in the US, that's harder to pull off than in some other places. And so I think the guys aren't desperate. I mean, of course, guys were a little awkward and but those are the guys who aren't going to do well in Ukraine regardless or, or in Colombia or wherever they go, right? Um, the guys who tend to be more successful are the normal guys who go, who are just, like I said, kind of frustrated with their local dating options. Okay. And when you say the men are more traditional, do you mean, is that relating just to family values or do you mean in like a political context usually as well? Oh, the men are definitely conservative in terms of their political context, yes. Okay. From what I've seen, um, the majority identify as conservative, yeah, or Republican. However, you want to put it in context, right? But most mm -hmm. of them 
um, are definitely having conservative family values that kind of translate into more conservative political values, right? Gotcha. Okay, and uh, let's go ahead and move on to some of the common stereotypes about women. So I think, once again, there's a, a two-forked approach to what's going on with the women, much like the men, that they're either sad and desperate and can't find anyone in their home society, or that they're gold diggers who just want a green card and are just um, trying to find a guy who's going to pay for their lives and, and give them a green card. So most of the women, I would say, in Ukraine... Um, are well-educated. Um, a lot of them, depending if you're going to a matchmaking agency versus um, one of these larger sites, um, you find a bit older women who are a bit more professional, perhaps. Um, whereas I think on the more general websites for correspondence and things, you find um, more young and older women. Like I think you find more of a, a variety of age. But in general, Ukrainian women are decently off. Um, right now, Ukraine is kind of going through a tough financial time, but they're not necessarily desperate or trying to find guys with green cards. And in fact, I think it, it bears pointing out that for a lot of women in Ukraine, it's much easier to find a European guy. It's a lot closer to go to a country in the EU. You're still like a, you know, a two-hour flight from home. It's a big jump to come to the United States with someone you don't really know very well. And I think most women would agree that they're not trying to marry someone impoverished in a different country where they don't know the language and don't know anybody. I mean, that's, I think, common sense, right? I don't think the women are out for super rich guys, but I definitely think that they don't want to feel like that when they get here, they're in financial precarity or having to worry about money. Um, I think if a guy is interested in doing this, right, he has to recognize that until his wife gets a work permit, he has to support her, right? And that's going to take a while. That's going to take at least six months to a year for your spouse to get a work permit from the U.S. government. Men have to be ready to take on that kind of financial responsibility if they're really interested in this industry and not necessarily look at it as building kind of thing. It's like, Hey, if you were going to a different country, of course you'd situation where you weren't concerned about pay the bills can't work legally. So what am I going to do? Right. So I think it's important for the guys to remember that like the women are putting a lot of trust in them. They're coming to a totally foreign country they don't necessarily know the language. They don't know the system here. They can't work for a while. Most of them can't drive, right? So they're kind of dependent on the men, especially in that first year. Um, in Colombia and uh, the Philippines, in Colombia, people have an assumption that Colombia is poor. Colombia is actually doing the best out of the three countries that I've been to because Ukraine is doing so poorly right now. Um, and... I would say that women there have a comfortable life. And in fact, a lot of the women there I met actually wanted American guys to move there to Colombia. They didn't even necessarily have an interest in actually leaving. Um, the Philippines, actually, I saw the most marriages. When I was in the Philippines, I was on a tour of 19 guys. And by the end of a two-week tour, 
11 of those guys of the 19 were engaged. I never saw anything like that in any other location. Um, but I will say again that um, Philippines women obviously are not just doing it for money, but I will say Philippines was by far the most economically troubled area that I went to. So they are not desperate and they're not trying to necessarily get green cards, but I think that most of the women, because they're leaving their country and all of these things and for that first year, have some sort of financial expectation that yes, this guy having me not work for a year. We've talked about, you know, some of the stereotypes surrounding the men and the women, but I'm also aware that there's really stereotypes surrounding the international dating industry in general. What's been your experience with that? Well, I think most people, when I tell them what my research is about, think that it's um, human trafficking or that the women are somehow forced to participate. Uh, I think the term itself, mail order bride, right, is very problematic because it implies that someone can go and purchase a human being and then just have them sent on over to your country. And that's entirely not the case, right? So I prefer to call this industry, right, the international dating industry, um, because that's really what it's actually about. Um, and I, a lot of times people think that are inherently suspicious because of those stereotypes that we talked about with the men and women, right? That, oh, she's just using you and she'll leave you once she gets her green card or, oh, he's too old and all of these different things. And I think people judge harshly on the industry because once again, there's an assumption that, um, People who are involved are somehow desperate or, or lonely or sad. And therefore, I think people kind of make assumptions about the relationships, too, based on that. But the biggest one I hear, like I said, is that it's this um, human trafficking situation where women are forced. And I just want to come out and say, never have I ever seen any woman forced to date any man she's not interested in. And nor are they forced to sign up for the site, right? So um, every woman who is not interested in the man has the opportunity to say, no, I don't want to go on a date with that person. So there's nothing um, about human trafficking that I have witnessed in my experience with the industry. But that's the biggest misconception I hear. And in your opinion, where do you think these negative stereotypes came from? And how come they're so embedded in the mind of the public? Now, that's a, a more tricky question, I think, to answer. I think there is um, a certain historical connotation of the term mail order bride or picture bride or war bride um, that comes out of this. But I ultimately think where the, the suspicion comes from is the fact that you're dealing with someone from a wealthy country and someone's from what is assumed to be a poorer country. And that that is assumed to mean that there's going to be these major power differentials between the two individuals, right? That you have this person who's coming from the first world and has all this autonomy and power. Plus, he's got 
he's a man, so he has like the gendered power of being a man, right? Combined with the economic power of coming from a first world country. So I think it's easy for people to think that um, women in the third world are being taken advantage of or that these poor women are somehow um, forced to do this. Uh, whereas in fact, right, um, I think it comes out of the uneasiness surrounding globalization as well. I think people are anxious about how globalization is changing society, changing relationships, changing families, changing norms. Um, and I think that anxiety is pushed on to things that are deviating from the norm, right? Things that are pushing that global interconnected feel can be problematic for some people who um, still want things to remain the same perhaps. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think too, it's probably just a contributing factor. I wouldn't say it's the main factor, but um, I always kind of get the impression that the the sort of horror stories surrounding international couples or international dating, those are really the ones that people are more quick to share. <laughs> Um, just because there's of a certain uh, sensationalism around it, you know? Well, and I mean, have you watched the show 90 Day Fiance? <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple episodes here and there. Exactly. So there are some normal couples and then there are some outlandish ones, right? So, I mean, I will say that they show both normal and outlandish, but just like in any news, right? Good news isn't what sucks. It's the bad news. So, um, you know, people like to focus on sensational stories where, um, you know, I was reading a, an article in like a British tabloid about how all these Thai women are killing their British husbands when they move over to land, right? So there are these kind of, I'm sure that has happened, right? But it's probably not the norm. In your research, in, in your experience, have you come across any like success rate statistics among international couples versus purely domestic ones or anything like that? It's really hard, I'll be honest, to find good statistics on it. Um, when I ask various agencies, they don't really mm, keep track because they're dependent on um, couples self-reporting. And a lot of couples obviously aren't going to check back in with the agency every year and be like, oh, we're still together, yay. Or, oh, we even got married, right? So sometimes the agency is completely unaware of um, how successful it is. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I think... In terms of actual marriages and migration, seen, I've seen 10. Now, two of them were from Ukraine and um, seven or eight were from the Philippines. And then I think I saw one successful woman in Colombia. Um, the women in the Philippines, most of them are still together with their partners. Um, the two women from Ukraine did end up divorcing their American partners for various reasons. So um, I guess in that respect, it would be about 80% compared to which is what a lot of agencies claim. But they're not really basing those claims on actual data, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. 
And um, taking a, a kind of a sort of caveat here, I I noticed that some guys in sort of the blogosphere, the YouTube world, who are very pro-international dating uh, tend to be somewhat anti-feminist, I guess, either overtly or it's kind of implied. And then on the reverse side, I, I see uh, feminists sort of naturally take a, a stance that's very skeptical of international dating. Uh, in your mind, do you think international dating and feminist feminism can coexist? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, of course, I think so. I, I mean, I do this research and I, I do consider myself to be a feminist. Um, um, sometimes I, I, I see what um, some guys' points are about the issues that they have with feminism or what they interpret feminism to be. And I think... I could see why some feminists have issue with this industry and what they think this industry is, right? Um, but I think everything in life is super nuanced and a lot more shades of gray. And I think, you know, the blogosphere guys are like, oh, all feminists are, you know, materialistic, fat, and lazy, and man-haters, right? And I think, a lot of the feminists are like, oh, these guys are all abusive and these women are all victims. And I, I think both of them are caricatures of reality, right? They're taking maybe trends and making them apply to everyone when I think there's a lot more nuance in the world. So there are women in the West, I'm sure, who are career-oriented, less family-oriented, etc., and I'm sure, as we talked about, there are some bad guys in the industry who don't have the best intentions, right? But at the end of the day, I think a real feminist is more interested in looking at why are these relationships even happening? What is it about globalization? What is it about our current stage of capitalism, where we're at? that is engendering these kinds of relationships. I think that's what's interesting as a feminist, right? Um, and I also think it's interesting to talk to guys who have this like really negative view of feminism and to kind of hear them out and hear where they're coming from. And in a sense, right, as someone who does identify feminist, I would say it gives me a better idea of how to talk to those kind of guys because I can see where they're coming from. At least I know why they feel the way they do. But I don't think um, it's a mutually exclusive thing, right? I, I think good feminist scholarship is focused on showing that the world is full of nuance and that you can't just break people into a simple category of being a victim or an oppressor. And I think um, the guys who are really, really anti-feminist, um, I think don't understand what, like, good feminism is about it's not about hating men it's just about challenging our perceptions of gender in everyday life or challenging our ideas of what does it mean to have an intimate relationship things like that i don't think necessarily it's all men are bad you know what i mean um and, and unfortunately i feel like that's the kind of perception like as much as international dating is you know perceived as in this one very stereotypical way. I feel like feminism is also perceived in this one very, very stereotypical way.
Yeah, and I, I think a factor in that too is that a lot of the conversation in both camps happens on places like blogs and YouTube, which stereotypically are not very good at avoiding extremes <laughs> in some ways. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, it, it's funny. One of my um, participants really identifies with MGTOW, right? Men going their own way. And he and I consistently debate about this um, because I'm like, it makes me sad that um, certain men feel so, I don't even know, out of place in the domestic dating market that they feel like they have to be by themselves. I think there's a group of men in society who feel rejected. Um, the MGTOWs, the incels, right? That feel like... Um, they're not getting the attention that they want. And I think they blame it on feminism, right? That, oh, women are too interested in their career and themselves to care about men. So um, I can see, like I said, where they're getting their ideologies from. And I can see, once again, where the, the stereotypical feminist ideology of saying, oh, these guys are abusive or desperate or sad or whatever comes from, right? You've been in the field now for, you said, eight years, correct? Audit off, yeah. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, has international dating become more popular or less popular? Mm. That's an interesting thing. Um, I would say I think AFA offers less tours. And from what I've seen, Anastasia Date stopped offering tours. So I think the tour end is a little less popular than it was when I first started. But I think the websites are more popular because now I think the websites have more technology where you can do live video chat and live chat. So I know Anastasia Date, for example, has gone on to that model versus doing tours, right? Um, and they are a very popular site. I think matchmaking has become more popular as well since I started this. Um, when I first started, it was really, most people were just talking about AFA and Anastasia Date, whereas nowadays, you know, you have Dream Connections, you have all these boutique agencies as well, like, you know, Marriage by Natalie, um, where it's more of, hey, try to find me a person that has similarities. Whereas online, it's kind of a shot in the dark. And even in person on a tour, it's, you're not being matched, per se, with women that, I don't know, maybe you really enjoy hiking, for example. You're not only meeting women who are interested in hiking, right? You're meeting just a bunch of people who have been invited to the party that night. So I think there is um, an increase in more personalized services that I see. Um, and less group services, but I think overall the industry as a whole is growing on the internet too. And could you envision a day or would it be possible in your opinion that international dating could be sort of more the norm than it is now? Hmm. Um, I think we'll see more international relationships develop as people become more mobile and travel more. Now, whether this formalized international dating industry 
um, I think is kind of dependent, quite frankly, on a couple things, right? It is dependent on an economic differential between the countries. Um, there's a reason why the companies go to the countries that they go to, and there's a reason why they're not going to France or Germany, right? Um, and so I think it would depend. Like, for example, Ukraine. Someone actually asked me this today. I was actually presenting my work earlier today. In Ukraine, there's the war going on, right? There's a major conflict, and people were like, do you think that'll damage the industry? And I don't think so. I think, in fact, right, that'll help the industry because it puts more people in a position to want to leave the country. Now, I said what would kill the industry in Ukraine is if Ukraine joins, joins the uh, European Union. Then the industry's done there. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because... Because if a woman can travel and work um, legally in Europe, in any country in Europe, right, why would she need to marry someone Yeah, and the, to there, be mobile? There's also the kind of idea, too, for women like that who would be able to freely leave their country and, and work in other countries that international dating might be there. It's just that the industry would kind of, you know, there would be no longer a need for a gatekeeper. For agents. Yeah someone to make that connection exactly exactly i think international dating will naturally increase as more and more we're interconnected through technology and travel i think the industry um will grow as long as these global inequalities remain the way that they are but if like dramatically things change like i said if something like the eu join or like the ukraine join the eu then Ukraine's position would be a lot different and there would be no need for agencies anymore. Mm -hmm. So, but I do think global dating will become more normal. Given your experience and everything you've studied and seen, what advice would you give for a, a man considering international dating? Um, well, as a woman, I'm going to be really honest be realistic in your expectations. I see, I think the major problem I see with men in this industry is that they come with unrealistic expectations. Um, if you're looking for a huge age gap, don't go to Ukraine. That's not where you're going to find it. Maybe in the Philippines, you might be able to find a woman who's okay with dating someone 20 to 40 years older than herself. In Ukraine, not so much, right? Um, so I think coming with realistic expectations about age gap and knowing what country you're going to, knowing a little bit about the culture of that country, trying to learn a little bit of that language, at least, hi, how are you? Thank you. You know, basic kinds of little things that show that you're interested in that country. Um, I would recommend men to come with their best clothing. There's nothing um, that screams ugly American more than a, a man in cargo shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> so don't do that. That is like the common way that most people make fun of American tourists. So don't be that guy. Don't wear a fanny hat. Like don't do those kinds of things. Don't make yourself stand out. You want to come 
with really nice pressed pants, nice collared or polo shirts, snazzy shoes. You don't want to come looking tore up because people in these countries, they may be poorer than us, but they take a lot more pride in their appearance in terms of I might be poor, but if I'm going out, I'm wearing my very best and I'm going to make my best impression. Um, so I think guys need to come with, you know, realistic age expectations, realistic expectations in general. Um, I think a lot of guys um, are expecting supermodels, right, that want to be housewives, that don't care about money. You know, I mean, these are not realistic expectations. Um, you got to recognize if you are going to a foreign country, as I said, you are going to have to financially support that woman at least for the first year she's there. So I think guys really need to assess their financial situations too. Like, can you take this on? And the cost of participating in the industry, is this something you really can afford? Because most guys, and I mean, this is true of whatever, you're going to have to go more than once. Like one trip typically is not going to be enough, right? Even if you meet on that first trip and you're lucky, you're going to have to go back to cultivate that relationship, right? Um, and the guys who do go back with more consistency are the ones who are more successful. And how can our listeners connect with you or find out more about your work? Sure. Um, if they're interested in connecting with me, I have a website. It's Julia Mazaros, M-E-S-V-A-R-O-S.com. And then I, on my website, I do have my email address, my Twitter account. Um, and you can also look me up at Texas A&M University Commerce. My uh, university email address is there and my personal e email addresses on my website. And then I also have a YouTube page under the doctor of love. You can, I have a couple videos. You can check it out there too. And you can um, reach me any of those ways. Okay. Awesome. And uh, also for those listening, I'll put links to all of those pages in the show notes, which you can find at foreignwifehappylife.com slash episode 21. Thank you, Dr. Julia, for coming on the show. It was really great to hear your perspective. It's um, certainly a very unique one compared to our usual guests on the podcast, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and I think our listeners will enjoy it as well. Oh, good. I'm glad, and thank you for reaching out to me. Um, I'm always you know, interested in talking about my work, so I really appreciate having a platform to do so. All right, that was Dr. Julia Mazaros on the topic of international dating stereotypes. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Mazaros and her work, we'll link to her site in the show notes as well as to some of the articles and videos that she's put out in the past. You can find all that at foreignwifehappylife.com slash episode 21. That pretty much wraps up this episode. Until next time, I'm your host, J.D., and this is the Foreign Wife Happy Life Podcast.